Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 1. And it happened while Apollo, or Apollo, excuse me, was at Corinth. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said unto them, into what then were you baptized? And they said unto, and they said unto John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized you with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him that is Jesus and on hearing this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands on them the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying there was about 12 men in all. A few moments we want to talk about being all in the spirit. Being all in the spirit. Listen, listen here. It's about AD 55. I need to give you this. Uh, it's about AD 55. And so uh, at this point in time, the church is building. The church is germinating throughout uh, all Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and all the other most parts of the world. The, 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 the Spirit has empowered the church. This is post-Pentecost. This is now literally years after Pentecost. Jesus has gone on back to the right hand of the Father. Peter, Paul, John, Bartholomew, and the rest of them are now actively building the church so much to the regard to the to the to the degree that now they're able to go and visit the churches that have already been established. Right. Apollos and, and and Priscilla and Aquila and I mean all all of these leaders have been established. The deacons have been appointed. Phoebe and the rest of the women in leadership. Read it in your Bible. <laughs> have already been ordained and appointed and led to follow works. And now we're at an impasse. Now we're at a place where the church is up and running. The church has systems. Uh, the church has, 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 has uh, uh, subcultures and the church is moving. And at this point in time, the Apostle Paul is just going through the different regions as an apostle checking on the churches. And so as the Apostle Paul is going, checking on the churches, he gets to the church at Ephesus. And when he gets to the church at Ephesus, he comes in to check on the church to see how the church is doing. Let me pause right here and say this. I know, I know we're in a season, and I know we've talked about this before, but I need to just reiterate this for a moment. I know we're in a season where we don't want anybody to come for us, but... You need to have people checking on you every now and then. 
because some of us have lived in seasons of sickness and not even know it because we don't engage in a lot of self-examination. We're generally not introspective and so there could be lesions growing on our spirits that we don't see because we have not been looking in the spiritual mirror to know that something is going on in our life. I have five men that have total carte blanche access to my life. Not because I feel like I'm going to fall, but I'm determined that I won't fall. And so, so that I don't fall, I have men in my life that will help me not to fall. And, and you need people in your life that even when you get to leaning, anybody going to talk to me? That even when you lean, you got somebody to push you back up to your proper place. I'm not even going to tell you to lean on your neighbor because you may not know them like that. But you better look around you and find somebody you can lean on. Talk back to me in here. You better, listen, I'm serious. Some of you, you may need to solidify some of these relationships before you leave. Because even as you go into this new season of your life, you will have opportunity to lean. I, I confessed this to my wife just earlier this week. We, we had an impromptu date night. It was good that we went out. And uh, I just want to say this. It is good that you go out sometime. Amen? Amen. There have been so many things going on in our life, and it seemed like it's been fast-paced. And, and she just stopped me in the closet. Man, that's good. We get a closet that we can stand in. I just... Oh, listen. I slept in my parents' bedroom for five... Listen, don't... Okay, amen. Maybe we'll go... So she caught me in the closet, and as, as she's on her side of the closet, I'm on my side of the closet, we're, we're changing our clothes and getting ready for the day. She stops me and says, uh, go out on a date with me. Aww. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so sweet. But, it, but even in the midst of this date, as, as, we're, as we're painting pottery, She said, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, I'm, I'm moving forward, but I'm saying this because it's necessary. Um, she said, tell me about you. And I said, I said to her, I said, well, babe, to be honest with you, I'm setting up systems in my life right now, and I'm making sure that I've decided who I'm going to be before I have access to other stuff. Hear me, you got to determine that you're not going to be a cheater. You're not going to be an adulterer before you have access. You got to respond, you're going to be sober. And you're going to live sober before you have access. Because see, I, I've said this, I said this years ago, and I'm going to say this again. Some of us are situationally holy. Anybody, anybody been here more than five years? Remember me saying that some years ago when I taught on holiness a couple of years ago? Some of, some of us are situationally holy. Like, if you could afford to smoke, you probably would. If you could afford to get drunk, some of us probably would. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying people that you know. Like, some of us, we, 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 we can't get in the dirt because we can't afford the dirt. <clears throat> This is why the Bible says money answereth all things. 
money is not the root of all evil. You gotta, you see, I, you, see, you know, <laughs> you, need, you need some money, okay? <laughs> don't be like, no, I don't want no money. No, you need some money. But here's what money does. Money reveals the realities of your heart. Lack a lot of money and you'll see who you really are. Gain an abundance of money and you'll see who you really are. See, that's something we say we never do until we have the ability to afford to do it. There's some things we said, there's some levels that we say we would never stoop to until we get to the place to where. And so I, I, was, I was sharing this with my wife and I encourage every, every man in here to, to make this decision now. I'm, I'm, I'm going into different realms and, and I was talking to some of the team earlier this week. The Lord is opening some doors and I'm being able to sit at some tables that, that I imagined years ago that I would sit at. And now I'm, I'm being called to come sit at these tables. I'm being invited into these rooms. And in some of these rooms, everybody is not saved. You see, there are certain traffics to success that when you get there, it does not matter in what realm you're successful. But once you, once you gain that level of success, if you, are not, if you are not wrapped up, tied up, as the old church would say, tangled up in the Holy Ghost, you will be lost. We hear, we hear these stories of pastors and leaders being caught in certain regards because they, they have success. And they have not determined how to handle it. You hear uh, of, of athletes and, and different people at different levels of different areas of success and they all get lost in the same things because we have not made a determination and so you need to have people in your life that are able to check on you and you need to be honest with them people when they come to check on you hear me well, my pastors they, they, when they, somebody have to they, I, I tell them the truth my wife asks me certain questions. I have to tell her the truth. To tell her the truth. You need to make sure that you have people in your life that can challenge you or that are willing to check up on you. Do we have that clear? All right, we can move forward now. We can move forward now. Then it goes on to say, there were some disciples that were found there. There were some disciples, and that's good. Now, what we need, what we need to classify and understand right now, these brothers that we're getting ready to talk about, please do not... Please do not make it seem as if they are not saved. They are saved. And we're, we're getting ready to dig into, into the, the nuances of this. They are saved. They are already saved. They already have Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, here's what's happening, though. The checkup begins to take place. And you got to understand that you just saying you saved and just being in church is not enough, fam. That's not enough. Everybody can claim salvation if they accept Jesus Christ. It, Heavenly Vision is one of those churches where we don't, we don't demand uh, certain things as it relates to being a member or just an attendee. You know, some people, you got to get a handshake and you got to do all kind of stuff. We just say, whosoever will, let them come. Come on in. Come on in. We don't even make everybody pay tithes. No, seriously. There are some churches, if you don't pay tithes, like they will, they will talk about you in the sermon. You know, they'll make, you know, they'll send you little, little nasty phone calls and you get these little emails and text messages and, you know, the counters be looking at you like, you know, you get shoddy prayers, you know what I mean? Because you don't give, like, we don't do that to people here. We, we would encourage you to do so, but if you don't, we're still going to love you and honor you and, 
And we still going to pass you and minister to you as the Holy Spirit leads. Amen? That's between you and God. You, you'd be broke if you want to. I mean, you know. But he says, when you got saved, when you believed, did you get the Holy Ghost? In other words, when you came into this fam, did you get all the benefits that you were told that you were supposed to have? Some of us are living in Christendom far beneath the means in which God intended for you to have. Some of it is our fault. I'll take responsibility for every pastor you've ever had, for every leader that you've ever had, for those of you who have been under leaders that, 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 were, that, that were imbalanced uh, in their teaching and their theology. I apologize. Because sometimes because of the things we've gone through, we've been called to lean to one side of theology. Come on, you know, you, you, you've been there. We're not going to talk about it right now, but you know it in your spirit. You know, you remember in, them, in your mind some of the things that you heard and some of the theology that you were built around that was heavy in one area, but did not give you the full counsel of God. So Paul suspecting that there was something that these believers missed, he asked them, did you get the Holy Spirit too? Because that's a benefit that you were supposed to receive when you believed and when you were baptized. And they say to him, no, sir. As a matter of fact, we didn't even know or we didn't even hear that there was a Holy Spirit. Now, let's deal with this. He said, we didn't even, we weren't even made aware of his reality now we, we got we got to deal with this and this is why it's important that you study the scripture for yourself because if you read that at face value and you do not understand uh, the Greek uh, understanding of that text you begin to read it as if the one who discipled them didn't tell them about it but these men let's let's, let's read further notice this verse 3 it says and he said unto them, well, then when what then were you baptized? If you don't know about the Holy Ghost, then what, what were you, what were you baptized in? And they, and they say, we were baptized into John's baptism. Now, here's where you have to dismantle, here's where you have to dismantle what they said and understand it properly. It is not a slight to John in particular. It is a slight to their spotty engagement. John teaches. John the Baptist taught, I baptize you with water. But there is one that's coming after me who is going to baptize you with fire. He says, I am the one to blaze the trail for Jesus. And Jesus is going to come with the Spirit. But his major evangelical thrust was repentance. And so because they did not follow John, I'm making an allusion to the text here, because 
of the season in which they may have joined John's ministry. They may have missed the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Not that John didn't teach it. Not that he didn't make it available, but they did not access what they did not hear. And this is why it's important to stay engaged with teaching. This is why in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, and they committed themselves daily to the teaching of the apostles because there's something that may be given out next week that I miss. And so they say, man, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. You missed the day that we were teaching on the Holy Spirit. You missed John's revelation on the Holy Spirit. And because his evangelical thrust is repentance, that's what we're going to teach the majority of the time. We're talking about John's ministry. We're talking about John's ministry. And so... When, when he begins to hear this, listen to this. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, and that is Jesus. He says, now, before you put down the man who taught you, understand he was giving it to you the way he got it. And let me free your former pastor from all of your hateful words. Because sometimes we can be very dogmatic about the people that led us to Christ. Because we mature to a place that we need more than just the gospel. That's all right. You may need to go and get more. But don't you fix your mouth to put down the one that got you at least there. Paul says, I need you to understand that this was the assignment of John. John wasn't called to preach on the Holy Ghost. He was called to preach, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. But now... If we can stretch out this illusion and we can, if we can align the text some more, we have to realize that on the back end of John's life, he died and many of the disciples of John had a sour taste about Jesus in their mouth. And so, and so when John was getting ready to be beheaded, he sent word to Jesus as if Jesus was going to come and break him out of jail. And the disciples of John came and they said, hey, Jesus, uh, uh, aren't you John's cousin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked, are you the one or should we look for another? Now, this boy has been testifying of Jesus since he was in his mama Elizabeth's womb. But because he was going through a hard time, he allowed his time to doubt his truth. And don't allow the time that you're in to doubt your truth. Because when you doubt your truth, the people that are watching you will doubt your truth too. And so you got these disciples of John. Now, I didn't give you two reasons. 
Now, I'm not saying that it was them on either side, but there is some reason why, why they did not fully embrace the truth of the Holy Spirit. Either they missed it or they had a sour reality of it. And some of us in here right now, we are not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit because something we either missed or something somebody did in leadership gave us a sour taste. Not to the degree that we would leave Jesus, but to the degree that we would sanction the Holy Ghost and only allow him to do certain things in our life. Tell me if I'm lying. Some of you will not refuse, well, you will refuse to speak in tongues right now because somebody you knew spoke in tongues, but they still cussed and smoked cools and they lied all the time. And so now in your spirit, that, it, it don't take all of that. Some of us have, have, have stopped the Holy Ghost from really invading our daily lifestyle because we've seen somebody not live true to their testimony. And so, Paul has to make the record clear. Listen, John did his job. He was preaching in regard to repentance. But what you need to understand about the full counsel of God, do not limit your, do not limit the ability of God in your life because of your narrow experiences. I'm going to say that one more time. Do not limit the power. Listen, all they seen in their church before their pastor got killed was honey and locusts, wearing wild clothes, and preaching by the River Jordan. They were members of Jordan Church. And when Pastor John the Baptist got killed, they had to look for a new pastor. And they were challenged because of what they experienced. And they did not allow the Holy Spirit to be revealed to them in a way that would give them everything that they needed. And I wonder in here if there is anybody who has ever wondered why they don't feel God in a certain way. We're going to talk for real? Have you ever wondered why somebody's doing one thing or why you see God manifest in somebody's life in a, in a certain way, but why he don't ever do that to you? Could it be that you've allowed your experience to circumference the mobility of the Holy Ghost in your life? Where I grew up, we didn't do all that. I just told you earlier, when I was growing up in Heavenly Vision, when we had three lecturers sitting here, and this was the little kids' choir stand, and this was the grown folk choir stand, and that's where the nurse's aide sat, and that's where the first lady sat, and that's where the deacon sat, and that's where the mother sat. We didn't do all that. It wasn't no speaking in tongues. It was singing a hymn. It was reading a responsive reading. 
At the end of the service, we wasn't shouting. We was praise God from whom? Come on. Oh, Wait a minute. Okay. I see y'all came from the same church then. Praise the Lord. Same church. Come on. Come on. And here's the thing. Ain't nothing bad with that. Nothing wrong with that. But that is not the sum total of the experience of God. That's not everything. Because some of us grew up where this was at the church. And that's not bad. Some of us grew up with a church where all we heard was the word of knowledge. And some of us grew up in church where we heard a tongue. There's, there's no right church and wrong church. There's only the real church and fake church. But what happens in denominationalism is that there are people, because y'all don't, okay, listen, because sometimes we, we think, oh, denominationalism, that's crazy. I'm not, no, it, no, that's denominationalism is biblical. The Bible said they were John's disciples. And then they were Jesus' disciples. Paul even had to deal with denominationalism because there were some people in the Corinth church that said, I'm baptized by Peter. Now, nah, bro, I'm baptized. <laughs> Apollos is my pastor. And then you had, them, you had them real rebel folk that didn't want accountability. Jesus is my pastor. Jesus ain't your pastor. He gone to heaven. And so Paul had to say, listen, I'm glad I ain't baptized none of y'all. Because the church that Jesus died for, got up again and now is interceding for, he sent back a spirit to that church. Matter of fact, it was, I got to make sure you understand this. Here it is. The spiritual presence of Jesus is still on earth. Because the Holy Spirit, if we want to give him a full name, he's the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so the very spirit that was in Jesus leading him about is the same spirit that when he ascended and on the day of Pentecost, he sit back down. But instead of him walking in a body, he's now walking in bodies. That's why we're called... That's why when we come together, we're called the body of... Do you see it? So you got the spirit. And you got the spirit. And you got the spirit. And you got the spirit. I'm not saying you got you to speak in tongues before I let you out of this church today. But what I am saying is that there are some manifestations of the spirit that you have refused. Some of us Willingly and some of us just unknowingly some things we didn't even know about Some things we didn't even know we could do. That's why many of us pray and ask God to do things Instead of declaring his word Here's the reality if it's written in the word It's your promise And all you have to do is declare it and it shall be done or if we do ask, here's how James says, we ask amiss. In other words, or we ask as if we're not sure if he'll do it or not. When Jesus says, 
If you ask anything in my name, believing, and it lines up with it, your, my will for your life, it shall be done. I believe that we have missed the Holy Ghost in certain regards. We have missed the Holy Spirit in certain regards because we have not allowed him to have freedom in our life. And so this is what Paul begins to address. He says, I need you to understand that John, your former pastor, who had gone on to be with the Lord, he did everything that he was called to do. But there may be something that you're still lacking. You were baptized into the baptism of repentance. In other words, you were baptized into a way of thinking that was prior to the release of the Holy Spirit. You were baptized into a promise rather than a manifestation. And too many of us, just like our Jewish brothers and sisters, are still on the other side of the Messiah, waiting for him to come. The Jewish community, they believe that the Messiah is still in his way. We believe that Jesus already came. His spirit has already been descended and it's fully available to us. So when we are baptized, we should be baptized in the fullness of God. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we are baptized into the narrowness of a mindset. And this is why some of us, if we be honest, when we really get a full revelation of Jesus, even though we was baptized at 3, 4, 5, 7, 12, 15, 20 through, we decide to be baptized again. Nothing wrong with that. Why? Because now you have a full understanding of why you're getting in the water. And some of us have done it without a full understanding of why. Now let's break this thing down and I'll cause my apostolic friends to be mad at me for a couple of weeks. Uh, and when, watch this, when he heard this, Paul said, the baptism that John gave you was a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, verse 5. And on hearing this, they were baptized in, watch this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, many of our family, and I call them our family, have made it think that if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus, then you're not really baptized as opposed to being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's not the distinction that Paul was making. The distinction that Paul was making was the full revelation. And the full revelation was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul was baptizing them in the reality of now Jesus' placement as Lord. See, we emphasize the Jesus part, but the emphasis that Paul wanted to put on was the Lordship of Jesus. So Paul didn't say, I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus because he didn't want them to be in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, Paul baptized 
baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he wanted them to understand that just in case in your mind you don't believe that the man we all just seen live and die and raise from the grave because some people didn't see it with their own eyes they had to believe from what somebody told them just in case you don't believe it all before we put you in this water I need you to understand that whether you seen him or not whether you felt a miracle or not Jesus is Lord And some of us, if we be honest, we don't live our lives as if Jesus is Lord. We accept Jesus as our Savior. I ain't lost my church, have I? We, we, we receive him, rather, as Lord. And when we receive Jesus as Lord, that means now he has control of my living. This is why historically in the church, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit until folk got to shouting. Because we circumference the Holy Spirit's authority to our church activity. And so this is why folk could be in church full of the Holy Ghost and still under heavy demonic oppression. Because we've been taught that the Holy Spirit only tells you when to shout. And the Holy Spirit only tells you when to sing. But Paul says, I'm baptizing you in the Lordship of Jesus. So that every realm of your life is under the authority of Jesus Christ. And to make sure that it goes right, his Holy Spirit is there. He says... I baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, in this season of your life, on this side of your life, I want you to know that no longer should you wrestle with how much you allow God to have. But in this season of your life, I want you to wrestle with how willing are you to be released. It don't take all of that. Well, that ain't how I do it. Well, well I, I, I'm different. Yes, you are. I agree. But there is one spirit. And the amazing thing about that one spirit is that that one spirit wants to manifest in every one of his sons and daughters. And sometimes we don't see the fullness of that one spirit because we're so used to our individual lifestyle that we don't want to yield our lifestyle to the power of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can begin to unify our living yes, don't miss what I just said yes. when we are more committed to our individual lifestyles we will not see true kingdom community because in order to see true kingdom community, we have to be willing to release our individual lifestyles so that the singular life of the Holy Spirit can be manifested in all of us. That's why the church was in one accord. That's why the church grew so rapidly and so fast because they were all on one accord. So you have to find your place where you begin to agree with your brother and sister. And I know, I know traditionally it's Pentecost Sunday, we need to... I need to preach a sermon where everybody shout and get the Holy Ghost and dance and somebody fall out and speak in tongues and that's good too. 
But what I'm really interested in seeing happen in heavenly vision and among the body of Christ is that we began to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit so much to the degree that we see a divine oneness among us to where now we are not separated by nuance, but we are unified by purpose. We cannot allow ourselves to be separated by the nuance of church or the nuance of the spirit, but we have to allow ourselves to be unified by the purpose of the spirit. Here it is. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul, listen to this, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Here's the, here it is. We're getting ready to get out of here together. Listen. He says, they began to speak in tongues, but notice the appendage. They began to prophesy. Listen to me. We got so wrapped up in tongues. We got so wrapped up in the issue of tongues in the church that we missed the whole purpose of the tongue. The whole purpose of the tongue was to prophesy the will of God for the hearing of the people. The tongue doesn't even mean anything if it's not interpreted to the proper hearer. It's not just a spiritual exercise. It is a divine method of communication. And here it is. And if you don't have it, I'm not mad at you. That's why when we pray and I call upon people to pray in the spirit because there's some prayers, watch this, that I don't want the devil to attach himself to. And so God had to give us a spiritual language that even the enemy could not decipher. And anytime he wanted to talk to a people where language was a barrier, he elevated his spirit among those people and when they began to speak in tongues one would speak out of one language and hear in their own language because it was the spiritual language you trip it on tongues like it's the message tongues is a phone you tripping on tongues like it was the manifestation. No, it was a device. It is a device. Church folk arguing over whether they speak in tongues or not is like folk arguing over whether they should be iPhone or Android. When I call you, whether you got an iPhone or an Android, if the bill been paid, and if I got the right number, and if you got willingness to hit the green button, communication will ensue. And I'm just trying to tell somebody in here, it no matter how you got it, if you will it, Please, please, man. The goal of tongues was the exchange of prophecy. It 
was never about the Itara Rosa. It was never about the Shanda. It was about the communication that was being transmitted through the particular device. And this is why when we come together, depending on who or when or where, the tongue may sound different. There's no need of you sitting in there trying to figure out who really speaking in tongues and who not speaking in tongues. Your prayer need to be, Lord, whoever need to get that message, I pray that the message is received. Lord, if it's me, stop my mind from tripping and open my heart and my ears so I can hear what you're trying to tell me. Anytime somebody speaking tongues around me, I have to center myself as an evil. Says, when they got the spirit on them, immediately they speak in tongues and they begin to prophesy. Why? Because there was something locked up in them that could not be released until the apostolic grace spoke over their life and declared it over them. This is why the church needs apostles. Yeah, I'm going to say it right now. So that the apostolic grace can release the very thing that have been locked in you. This is why before the year is over, some of y'all are going to be prophesying. Not because you want to, but because the grace is on you and it's my job to release it. They began to prophesy. And anytime you're called to prophesy, it's not for your benefit. It's for the benefit of the hearer. Oh, I'm moving, Mike. This is why it's so important, believers, that you guard what comes out of your mouth. This is why you got to begin to challenge every conversation that you have. This is why you got to watch what you allow to roll off of your tongue because that is the very device that the Holy Spirit will use to prophesy. Mm. Family, this is why the people in our family are the last ones to believe we've been called. Because they're so used to our tongue being used for other purposes. But I come to sanctify every tongue in this building today. I come to let you know that there is a baptism that is falling upon you in the name of Jesus that will cause you to be one who will open their mouth and prophesy. You gotta know you're not giving just good advice. You are prophesying. And I come against every, every, everything in your mind that would want you not to hear what I'm saying right now. I come against that spirit of stubbornness. I come against that spirit of rebellion right now in the name of Jesus. I had to challenge my wife several, several months ago. Uh, and, I, and I said this, listen, it, it's amazing how everybody's excited about prophecy when good things are being prophesied. But when correction comes from the same lips that prophesied to you, now you like, I don't receive that. Uh-uh, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Negro, listen to me. The same God that told me you was being blessed is the same God that's telling me you giving your booty to somebody you need to stop. Is there anybody in here that's going to be honest and say, I understand prophecy. I just don't like it all the time. Listen, if... 
if you trust me to prophesy a house, then you better. Don't leave me now. Don't go look for another pastor now. Don't go look for another prophet now. Come on. Don't switch up besties now because she's telling you about your thoughtness. Don't, don't switch up bros now because he's telling you you should do right by your baby mom. Don't try to. Now you got something. Now it's like. Mm. You know, I just, don't, I, I just don't feel I'm being fed in this church. No, you're being fed. You just don't want what's being served. That's why you're not being fed because you don't want to eat the vegetables. You just want all the sugar. You only come when we baking church cakes, whole cakes. And... They began to prophesy. You are prophets. Now, some of you, there's a prophetic mantle on your life. All of us have been called to prophesy. Now, not everybody in here may be a prophet. But all of us are called to prophesy. Prophets, watch this. Prophets are the people that God has put on the earth to police the earth according to his word. This is why when you look at the biblical time, anytime the prophets would prophesy, they would, they, they would prophesy for seasons and for regions. Because they were called to look over. I, I, know, I know in our Western society now, the only time we see prophets is that, that you know, they're in, they in a conference and we got to, you know, give our $100 seed. But, but the real authority of prophets was to watch the landscape and to watch for the word of the Lord. But all the people were called to prophesy. Here's, here, here's the close. Verse 7. And this is what blew me away, Mike. There were about 12 men in all. Here's why that's significant. Because I believe in this season, God is getting ready to pour out his spirit in a governmental context. The number 12 represents government. It represents system. It represents structure. It used to be in the church that there were only, especially in the black church, listen to me, because of insecurity, the senior pastor would, would harness all of the anointing. And he was the most anointed. And he had all the revelation. Couldn't nobody talk for the Lord but him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But if this word is for nobody but heavenly vision, I need you to understand that God is getting ready to pour out his spirit and there is getting ready to be governmental prophecy. So much to the degree to where the structure of our church is getting ready to change drastically. And so much to the degree that there will be massive deliverance. Because every person who is being called into leadership who is being called to take up a governmental position, you represent a tribe. I tried to figure out why was God sending all these pastors and prophets to this house? He said, because I'm getting ready to do a governmental shifting of anointing. 
so that my church, God, will be organized in a way whereby it will not be anemic any longer, but it will feel the fullness of my spirit. That's why I'm bringing people from all different type of spiritual and denominational backgrounds to one place because I'm bringing a governmental grace. Why were you proud? Why were you? Why, why did you go through bishop consecration? Why did you do all of this? Why did you engage with this? Because the Lord is developing a divine anointing. I can't even tell you the connections that God is beginning to make among us. You taking a picture with Eric Mason. God is setting up divine, and watch this. If he's doing it in heavenly vision, he's not just doing it here. He's doing it in his church. It's not by chance that a few weeks ago I was called to go sit down with Gavin Newsom who arguably may be the next governor of our state. God is setting up some things. And so it's not just about a shout. It's about a shift. God did not send his Holy Spirit to shout his church. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower his church so that the church would shift society. And the church cannot shift society if the church can't first shift a home. This is why you're being challenged in all your dirt. I'm about to pray. I'm about to pray. This is why all of, your, all of the stuff you've been doing for years and you felt no conviction about, this is why in this season you feel hella convicted. See, that's the Holy Spirit that speaks to me and then I speak to you and you feel that because the Holy Ghost. This is why for the first time in all of your Christian life, you challenging the stuff you've been doing. And this is why you can't sleep on this stuff. And this is why some folk are strategically absent. prayer is that a governmental grace comes upon us hear me when you get this when you get the spirit rap I, I told rap I, I felt this earlier in the year maybe that was even last year rap but I told him once he began to organize the government of his family I don't care where you got to lay your head down when you organize the government of your family God is going to release some things me but the Lord did not open up certain doors for me until I organized the government of my family. And I, and I could not do that until I allowed his spirit to empower me to do so. Because me, I had always allowed the Holy Spirit to lead me in preaching and lead me in teaching and lead me in pastoring. But now I actually had to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me in husbanding and fathering. And so my prayer for every one of you on this day of Pentecost is that you allow the spirit of God to come upon you in a fresh way even beyond what you're comfortable with even beyond what's common to you
even beyond what you've always seen and seen modeled before you. Can I prophesy to you quickly? What God is getting ready to do in your life defies every model you've seen previously. And this is why God is taking you out of your commonplace and introducing you to people that you never crossed with before. This is why your social network is increasing. Because he has to show you nuance of his spirit that if you just stayed on your street, if you just stayed in your comfort zone, if you just stayed at the crib, you would never experience. So Father, I pray for your sons and your daughters that we would no longer have a narrow view of your spirit but that we would be released to the fullness, the vastness of your spirit. So much to the degree that it will challenge everything in us that's not like you. And that you would change us because you will, you will make us aware of the fact that, it's, that our life is not even about us. But it's about what you want to do through us. And so Father, pour out your spirit. So Father, baptize your sons and daughters again. Baptize your sons and daughters again. Baptize them in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Father God, baptize them in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And however you choose to manifest yourself through their life, do so. Do it without their permission, God. Do it anyway, God. Do it anyway. If you're present in them, do it in them. If you're in their house, do it in them. Call them to consciousness. Call them to correction. Even if they are not in this room, call them. to their prophetic grace there are souls connected to their life so father god i pray that you manifest yourself in us in a new and a particular way even now and it is so in jesus name amen did anybody hear from god now